You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody. Happy holidays. Welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. The season of 2018 is in the books. The Patriots, as the dynasty crumbles, as the down year surges on, finished an embarrassing 11-5, and five, the paltry two seed, yet another first round bye, but it wasn't the one seed. What are we going to do? Rich Hill, I'm sorry to have to be coming to you under these horrible circumstances. I may be turning in my Patriots fan card because they only got the second seed, and I don't know how to how to deal with it. I'm sorry. I just don't. Ugh, the season's over. What a complete abject disaster for the Patriots this year. Can you believe it? I mean... Uh, the number two seed, what are they expecting from us? Tom Brady had just a normal Tom Brady year, not an MVP year. How am I supposed to tune in every single week if Rob Gronkowski does not put up 69 yards and a touchdown every single game? I don't know what I'm supposed to do, Alec. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Neither do I, man. And it seems to me that the entire NFL has no clue what to do here because this year the playoff picture did not fully solidify until the very last snap of the very last game of the season. I don't remember a year where it was this wild going into the last week of the season. Only the Saints have their playoff uh, fate clinched. Everything else is up in the air. What a crazy week. Patriots are 11-5. They shellacked the Jets 38-3. Game was never in doubt at any point. But holy jeez, Rich. Lots to break down today, so let's get right to it. Oh, absolutely. And I, There's so many things to discuss right now. First off, Patriots are the number two seed. This is fantastic. You go back after the Miami miracle or whatever you want to call it, go against that complete stinker in Pittsburgh. Patriots are out of that number two seed. They needed some help in order to get back into that bye week and extend their streak. Nine straight years of a bye week, Alec. That is ridiculous. Like, can we just have a moment to appreciate how absurd that is? Nine straight years of not having to play during Wild Card Weekend, as Tom Brady and everyone was saying after the game, beating the New York Jets, getting that bye week, that basically was their first playoff victory of the year. That was their playoff victory, because then they don't have to play anymore, and the Texans have to. It's great. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I mean, not only that, it's also their 10th straight AFC East championship on top of that ninth straight bye week. I think the only other team in all professional sports to have won their division more than 10 times is the Atlanta Braves. I believe, yep. had about 13 or 14 back in the, the 90s. So it's an unprecedented, unparalleled run that they're still on. The dynasty is not dead. They may not win the Super Bowl this year. That's fine. They've already got five. But to sit here and say the Patriots look bad, they look weak, they're having a rough year, whatever. Like, if you want to compare yourself to the ridiculous standards the Patriots have already set for themselves, fine, go ahead and do it. But I don't know about you, Rich, but I'm actually happier with the two seed, then in with the one seed, based on how the seedings worked out. Oh, absolutely. You just look at how everything, like all of the potential matchups, and we'll break this down a little bit later in the second half of the podcast after the, the Jets game, but after seeing who they have on their schedule versus who they might have had to have, uh, have to face in the divisional round, I mean, I'm happy with this. I'd much rather avoid this number five seed, no matter what. And honestly, I'm sure that the sixth seed is going to be great. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But the Patriots are most likely going to play the Houston Texans in the divisional round. If we just accept that, I'm thinking that's like 
the very, very highly likely thing to go down. And I'd much rather see that happen because the Patriots have had a lot of success against them, and I think that's a, a very solid matchup for New England. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think that this has been a very, very good year for the Patriots. I know 11-5 and five has, uh, you know, has ruined Tom Brady's winning percentage. It has taken it down a notch. But the number two seed, you can't sniff at that too much unless you want to just, you know, be that kind of fan. And I have no interest in doing that. Yeah, yeah again, football is supposed to be fun. And if your experience is less fun because of a two seed over a one seed, find another hobby. Seriously. But again, let's get to the playoffs later. Let's talk about the Jets game first. It's 38-3. The Patriots, they punted their first drive and pretty much scored almost every other drive after that. The Jets actually, you know, it, it's easy to poo-poo them and say how they finished 4-12 and or a lousy season. But Sam Darnold was red hot in December over the past couple of games. Took the Packers to the wire. I think he had five TDs in two games and no pick or one pick. He looked really good. The Jets' defense was playing well. And the Patriots came in there and completely took care of business. Tom Brady was 250 yards passing, four TDs, no interceptions, had one sack when there was a, a missed blocking assignment. They looked good. The running game was very solid. Once again, 130-plus yards on the ground. Overall, very solid performance. I know it's the Jets. It's easy to say, oh, of course, they beat the Jets at home. But based on how the Jets have been playing over the last quarter of the season, I'm actually very optimistic and encouraged by what I saw uh, in the game yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. When you piece that back-to-back -back with what happened against the Buffalo Bills and how effectively they were able to run the ball against a really good Bills defense, and they had a, a full full outing against the Jets. I mean, this was probably their best overall outing as a team all season, other than maybe Week 4 against the Miami Dolphins. But even then, I think that this just showed... Patriots can throw the ball, they can run the ball when they want to, and yeah, they can step up on defense. Let's start with the Patriots' defense here because they were outstanding. Anytime you hold any opponent to three points, you did a great job. You did a really, really great job, and I want to give some context here. You, you look at what the Jets had done in the four games prior. They had put up 22 points against a solid Tennessee Titans defense on the road. They put 27 points against the Buffalo Bills in a great defense on the road. And then they put up 22 points at home against a good Houston Texans defense. Those are three straight really good defenses that they played that they put up over 20 points against. And then the offense scored 31 points against the Packers. They had a defensive score, or I guess a return score in there against the Packers. But you put up 31 points against a terrible defense, and that's still a good showing. So the, the, the New York Jets have been solid on offense over the month of December, as you mentioned. And so the fact that you hold them to three points is a testament to the defense, a testament to an overall and complete outing from both their defensive front seven and their secondary. And Alec, my thought to you is, who do you give the game ball to for the Patriots defense for this game against the Jets? Who, who really stood out for you? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. They they sacked Sam Donald four times. I want to easily uh, make the, the easy choice and say Trey Flowers because he was in on both the fumbles. He collapsed the pocket. Other than basically there was a, a very long McGuire run for like 17 yards, and then there was that 28-yard Sam Donald scramble. If you take out those two runs – I mean, the Jets did nothing on the ground with a combination of Lawrence Guy and, and Danny Shelton. But with, with Trey Flowers setting the edge and, and getting the pressure he needed to get, it's very easy to give the game ball to him. But I'm going to go ahead and give J.C. Jackson my, my game ball. He is a legitimate starter. I think him and Stephon Gilmore are your outside corners going forward. 
every time he's around the ball, he either makes the play, he's a good tackler, and he's a very solid guy. I think him and Stephon Gilmore in man coverage really allow the Jet, uh, the Patriots excuse me, to open up their underneath routes. It takes pressure off the linebackers. It really opens up that front seven, allows them to get more creative. So I think without J.C. Jackson as that second, I don't call him a lockdown corner, but that second cornerback, I don't think the pass rush gets there. I don't think the linebackers do what they do. He's kind of the linchpin of that defense in that right now. Oh, absolutely. He's been playing like a top 10 cornerback in the league just to the fact that I believe, according to Pro Football Focus, opposing quarterbacks have the lowest passer rating in the entire league throwing at J.C. Jackson. So he's been a game changer in that secondary. And that's not to say that Jason McCourty's not been playing well either. This is just J.C. Jackson playing out of his mind. And the fact that the Patriots' top three cornerbacks are all playing like top 15 guys in the entire league. They have the depth. They can go toe-to-toe against any offense that they want to. And they have the depth through their entire secondary to really stand out. And I love that. And when, when you talk about what Sam Darnold was able to do against this Patriots defense, 167 passing yards on 57% completion rate. A bulk of those yardage came uh, in that against this Patriots soft zone, I believe, to start the third quarter, maybe at the end of the second, where the Patriots were playing zone defense. Darnold was finding the tight ends, running backs in the middle of the field between the Patriots linebackers. But... Yeah, hold Roberts, their wide receiver, three catches, 28 yards. Robbie Anderson, three catches, 24 yards on eight targets. Those are the two guys on the outside. You could throw in their tight ends, both Herndon and Leggett, combined two catches for 15 yards on seven targets. Kudos to Patrick Chung, but also Jason McCourty and J.C. Jackson for playing that. The Patriots have such a a moldable secondary. I give so much credit. JC Jackson was covering both tight ends, slot receivers, outside receivers. He can do it all. And so much credit goes to the secondary for really evolving and doing what they've been able to do, especially when that defensive front seven has not been consistent. But when you say back-to-back games, Bills and the Jets, this defensive front seven has been outstanding. That's what this Patriots defense can do. They can suffocate any opposing offense. And I'm really, really excited to see if the past two games, what they've been able to accomplish, is something that they can carry forward into the postseason. For sure, man, because there's some pretty good offenses coming up in the postseason. You have a really interesting uh, runner in a quarterback with the Chiefs and the Ravens and the Texans. So, I mean, basically... Four of the and, and, and Andrew Luck, if he makes it in, you know, I mean, almost every single quarterback in the AFC playoff picture, except for Tom Brady, is pretty mobile. Uh, I guess Rivers <laughs> isn't, isn't that mobile, but, but by comparison, uh, everyone's more mobile than Tom Brady. But there's a lot of mobile running quarterbacks coming up in the AFC playoffs. And Sam Darnold also is that. And basically, once he got that big 28 yarder, the Patriots really adjusted for it and didn't allow it to happen again. So I'm very excited to see what they can do defensively. I think Danny Shelton and Lawrence Guy are the answer in the interior of the line. I like Derek Rivers looked good. I think that Dietrich Wise looked good. I think everyone's kind of coming in. They're pretty healthy, which is nice. I don't think Devin McCourty's injury is too serious. Probably standard concussion protocol, keeping him out because there's no need to get him back in at that point. I think Cordell Patterson will be fine. I think everybody who needs to be healthy will be healthy for this big push, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, moving on to the offense, though, Rich, I think that the Patriots looked really good offensively. They didn't look great. They didn't need to look great. You know, Tom Brady was very accurate. He was throwing lasers out there after a subpar day against Buffalo in which he didn't really need to throw the ball that much because they're running the ball so well. He was pretty accurate. He overthrew a couple of times. Chris Hogan wide open in the end zone. That was frustrating to see. But for the most part, really accurate, really decisive. Had plenty of time in the pocket. Offensive line played well. Running game balanced it out nice. It was a good, balanced offensive attack from the Patriots. 
Yeah, and it was like a very average offensive production uh when you look at the whole big picture of the regular season, they had 381 yards of offense. You subtract six from the sack. So you get 375 yards from scrimmage. That's their fifth lowest production of the year. But the four that were lower, all of them losses, Steelers, Jaguars, Titans, and Lions. And so the fact that the Patriots were able to put up this yardage, but convert in the red zone. I think that was the most important thing that we saw against the Jets, which is something that the Patriots have struggled with throughout the entire year, is finishing when they get into the red zone, not settling for field goals. And they did a great job of doing that for most of it. Uh, Getting Philip Dorsett involved, watching Tom Brady move around and find the open receiver. That was important. Getting Julian Edelman involved in the red zone. That beautiful raindrop to Rex Burkhead. That quick little catch and go with James White. The Patriots need to be more opportunistic in the red zone. They need to take advantage of all the opportunities that they have. They did against the Jets. That's the difference between putting up 38 points and putting up 21 points and wondering what the heck happened. Patriots have really, really, really missed having Rob Gronkowski out there in the red zone. They never really had Josh Gordon emerge as a red zone threat. And Chris Hogan hasn't been as consistent of a player for the Patriots offense in that red zone. But as you mentioned, it seemed like the Patriots were trying to get him a little more involved. 11 targets led the team more than, I mean, number two is Edelman with six. So it was clear that they were trying to get Hogan involved. He historically has been a good red zone target for the Patriots. And so, Alec, if you're Josh McDaniels, if you're Tom Brady, if you're trying to figure out this offense in a Josh Gordonless world, in a world where uh, Rob Gronkowski is very, very obviously and evidently not the same player, what are you doing with Chris Hogan? What is the ideal Patriots offense in the postseason? Yeah, it's a good question, man. I think you and I discussed this a little bit in our last podcast after the Gordon suspension, whatever you want to call it, went down and how they're going to replace his production. Not that he was lighting the world on fire as, as a Patriot, but he was very consistent. He was, he was their number one target. And how are you going to kind of match his production? And we both mentioned Philip Dorsett getting him more involved and how he really deserves the extra touches and extra opportunities based on a very solid first quarter of the season. And then Edelman comes back and he was just completely out. He was a non-factor, saw less than five snaps per game, and neither of us really could figure it out. We were kind of both scratching our heads about it. And we almost we also discussed how Chris Hogan had almost lost Tom Brady's trust, and there were situations in, in Pittsburgh and in Miami where he was wide open, and Brady didn't even look his way. It's not like he even noticed he was there. That didn't happen both situations this time. It seems that Dorsett and Hogan are kind of combining to, to Voltron their way to a Josh Gordon-like production, and I think that's a great call. I don't think Dorsett's a real deep threat. I think Hogan is a deep threat. He's not like the deep threat the way Josh Gordon represented. But I think the combination of Dorsett and Hogan, especially using Dorsett as a running threat on those jet sweeps, making them factor in him when they do the play action off that, you know it's going to come into factor in the postseason. I think that I want to see a Sony Michelle-led offense first. I think this still is a running team. If we have to talk about their identity, I don't know if they really have one. We talked about that as well. But I think if they have to pick an identity, they're a running team first. Sony Michelle is the engine. It gets the play action going. And I feel like Hogan, Edelman, and Dorsett, and Gronk, and even James White are all very, very good play action receivers. So if they can keep that running game going and get the combination of Dorsett and Hogan as that that kind of Josh Gordon replacement, I think this offense has a still has yet to reach its full potential. Oh, I agree. And there's still a work in progress. This entire year has been 
week after week of the Patriots offense having to reinvent itself. You know, they didn't have Edelman for the first four games. Gronkowski isn't the same player anymore. They had Josh Gordon. They don't have Josh Gordon. Cordero Patterson was the running back. He's now hurt, not really playing. Philip Dorsett in and out of the lineup. Who are they? What's Sony Michelle's role? They still haven't figured it out. But the most important thing is them getting hot at the right time. And they have the pieces to do that. I love your idea. I think that Sony Michel has proven that he can carry the rushing attack better than anyone else on the Patriots roster, right? I mean, like, I, I know that Rex Burkhead had a touchdown. He looks solid. But there just seems to be a different vibrancy to the Patriots offense when Michelle is carrying the ball, where whenever Rex Burkhead has it, I'm like, all right, this is either going to be a five-yard loss or it's going to be a 10-yard gain. It's great. But when Michelle has it, I'm like, all right, this is either going for five yards or 15 yards. I feel like it's much more positive whenever Michelle's going out there. And so you have a pretty balanced backfield. I love the idea of having Michelle, Burkhead, and White as that trio in the backfield. I would love to see some two-receiver sets. But then you have Edelman. He's the engine as the receiver, like as the, the top wide receiver that they have. He's been consistent. He's the same guy. Love seeing him out there again. Uh, but without Josh Gordon... Who really is there? I mean, Hogan gets all the snaps, sure. I think Dorsett takes more advantage of the opportunities he has out there. Patterson is a nice gadget guy to have. I just want to see another wide receiver step up in the postseason. This is where the names are made. I don't know if you could really expect Dorsett or Patterson to do it, but if you had to choose one player to really step up in the playoffs for the Patriots offense, who would it be? I mean, historically, you got to go with Chris Hogan, right? I feel like he always the guy that shows up in the playoffs. This is the time when you really miss Danny Amendola because this Danny playoffs, this is what he did when it came down to it. And you're right, man. The big concern I have going forward for the playoffs is there's not really a player on the Patriots that you can really break a game open. You know, Edelman's a great receiver. He's the number one option, but he's not a game-changing receiver the way that Rob Gronkowski used to be, the way that Josh Gordon was becoming. There just isn't like that superstar guy that makes everyone else around him better because they have to factor two, sometimes three defenders on him. So that's really not the case in the situation. I think it's going to be a situation where there's not really that one guy who's going to step it up. It's going to be Hogan if I had to pick one, but <clears throat> I think it's going to be a, a really interesting hodgepodge. It's going to be back to the Patriots of old. Whoever's open gets the, gets, gets the ball, and that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see James White really reemerge. I know that he's been quiet as of late. I know he had that big touchdown, but he hasn't been that same part of the offense since Burkhead's returned. I honestly just think that the offense runs much more crisply when James White is out there. And if the Patriots can find a way to do these two running back sets more frequently, and whether that means having Patterson and Dorsett in the backfield, I would love to see that. I would love to see it because I think it forces the opposing defense to overthink things. It allows players to get open. It gives Tom Brady a quick option if the offensive line isn't holding up. And it really stresses the opposing defense when the Patriots have two guys in the backfield. And the fact that both White and Burkhead can go flex out as you know slot receivers. Put Michelle out there. If he runs, he runs. If not, you know at least you have so many other receiving threats out there. You can throw Patterson in that mix with the, the, the Burkeheads and the Whites. Patriots, just, I want to see, you know what, honestly, I want to see Josh McDaniels have the breakout performance in the playoffs because I know that he's been adjusting on the fly week in, week out, and he get, deserves a lot of credit for what he's been able to do. 
with changing pieces every single week. But I don't think we've had that signature Josh McDaniels game that you're like, oh my gosh, he's coaching circles around the other team. That has to happen. I want to see Josh McDaniels really shine in the playoffs. It's funny you bring that up, man, because I feel like the past couple of seasons when the Patriots have had that first round bye, be it against the Ravens, <clears throat> be it against the Texans, be it against whoever they comes into Foxborough for that first divisional matchup, the Patriots come out of the bye week kind of rusty in the playoffs and need to wake up a little bit. And they're playing very vanilla offense. They need a couple of gadget plays to get themselves back into it, be it a flea flicker, an element Amendola kind of thing. It's happened the past couple of seasons. Are you worried at all? You mentioned getting hot at the right time, which the Patriots seem to be doing. Are you worried at all that this bye week, while it's good for rest and recovery, might stymie that momentum a little bit and they'll have yet another AFC divisional first half where they're looking a little slow? Well, my, my, my thought is that – uh I don't know what they have to really stifle. <laughs> what, are they, what are they disrupting any more than what's already happened? You know, I mean, you, you look at their track record. They've won seven straight divisional round games. Uh, they've scored 35 points against the Titans, 34 against the Texans, 27 against the Chiefs, 35 against the Ravens, 43 against the Colts, 41 against the Texans, 45 against the Broncos. So, They've strung together some pretty strong offensive performances, but I'm with you. It usually is pretty slow. It takes them some time to kind of take the first few punches, I guess. You know, they, I think opposing teams look at this game and say, you know what, let's throw all of our chips on the table. All of our cards are down. This is our chance to take down the Patriots. Whatever happens beyond that will be great. But the Patriots just have to withstand just whatever the other team throws their way over the first quarter and a half. And then after that, the real football starts taking place in the postseason and they settle down. So, I mean, will the Patriots do that again? Probably just because time and time again, that's what we see. I just want to see the Patriots go against an opposing defense and just do what they did against the Jets. I want them to come out and just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that time we beat the, the Denver Broncos 45-10 to 10 and nothing was in doubt in the playoffs and it was lovely? I want one of those games. I, I want a divisional round like that. And then whatever happens after that point, I'll be happy. No, that would be so great. I think it's basically been, what, it's been the Broncos game in 2011. And then the Colts game in 2014 was like 45 to, to 14, whatever it was. But even that game wasn't wasn't sure until the third quarter, and Patriots really opened it up. Yeah, one thing we've kind of become used to as Patriots fans is the playoffs are not that much fun uh, to watch in terms of the actual games themselves. They're real, <laughs> they're real nail biters. We're sweating through our couches, and we're, we're wringing our hands. It's never a nice, comfortable, relaxing win. But I will take those over not caring because my team's not in it every single day of the week. Although, Rich, the problem I have here – I'm looking at the AFC playoff picture right now. Like I said, the Chiefs are in the one seed. That's a well-deserved first seed, even though it's kind of frustrating to think that the Patriots are a Miami miracle away from having yet another one seed. But what can you do? The Texans, Texans, Patriots in the divisional round seems to be also a tradition around here. I'm not too worried about them. It's the Ravens and the Chargers that give me the biggest pause right now. It's the Ravens because, well, it's the Ravens. They always play the Patriots tough at Foxborough. They're not scared of Gillette Stadium. They're going to be ready defensively, and they have a very interesting quarterback who's doing a lot of interesting things right now. The game tape hasn't really uh, piled up on him yet, so who knows. And the Chargers are one of those teams, Rich, I feel like nobody has talked about all year because they share a division with the Chiefs, and they've been very fun to watch offensively. And the Kareem Hunt scandal, all these things have happened to the Chiefs. The Chargers have flown totally under the radar, tied for best record in the entire NFL. I'm not sure what they'll do in the postseason because they'll be on the road, but the Chiefs 
excuse me, the Chargers and the Ravens, that game, the Ravens Chargers, that's going to be a very interesting one to watch because the winner of that one is going to cause a lot of problems for who they play next. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm crossing my fingers that they'll have to play the Chiefs because they've uh, they've already taken the Chiefs to the wire. The Ravens, they lost to the Chiefs in overtime in week 14. The Ravens probably should have won that game, if we're being honest. And then the, the Chargers, they beat the Chiefs in week 15. So they played each other back to back. They're both very intimately familiar with the Chiefs. They're not afraid of playing the Chiefs in Arrowhead because, you know, both of those games took place in Kansas City and Kansas City barely won for both of those. So uh, think of it this way. Chiefs have won, or lost three out of their past six games. They've lost to most of the good teams that they've faced. Uh, you could say that same thing applies for the the Chargers, although they did beat the Chiefs um, and, and the Steelers. But of those teams, I'm probably more afraid of the, the Baltimore Ravens just simply because of how they were able to reach the postseason. And first off, Ravens are never afraid of the Patriots. I could see the Chargers coming into New England, getting in over their head and just overthinking it. Terrell Suggs, whoever is playing for the Ravens on offense, it's not going to be Joe Flacco most likely, but Lamar Jackson, whoever's coming in won't be afraid of the Patriots because Harbaugh won't let them. They always know what to do. So I'm afraid of them from that mentality standpoint, but also on the fact that they won six out of their past seven games after the bye week. Now one loss being overtime to the Chiefs in Kansas City. The fact that they did what they had to do to win the postseason. A lot of people are talking about the Indianapolis Colts and how they finished the season on a high note and how hot that they've been. Ravens fall in that same exact category. I don't know why they aren't getting the same attention. They changed their quarterback to Lamar Jackson. He is 6-1 and one as a starter. He has done what it takes to win. I'm afraid of playing a mobile quarterback more than I am Phillip Rivers because I think that, as we mentioned earlier, Patriots have a really good secondary. They can cover the Keenan Allen and the Tyrell Williams and the Mike Williams. They can cover those players. It's the fact that they would have to contain Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. That would make me more afraid. Yeah, they're on a good running game in Baltimore as well. Tell you the stat that scares me the most, Rich, when it comes to the Ravens is no rookie quarterback has ever won in Gillette Stadium. Mm. And it's just a matter of time before that becomes a non-factor. And of all the times to do it, it would be the Ravens in the playoffs with Lamar Jackson. I can just see that that storyline unfolding in a very interesting year in the NFL. I think it'd be almost poetic in a lot of disgusting ways for the Ravens <laughs> to come in with a rookie quarterback and not only oust the mighty Patriots at home, but to do it with a rookie as he makes some ridiculous run. And then there's like the Ravens chiefs, AFC championship game and like Patrick Mahomes and Jackson combined for like 400 yards rushing. I can just see the entire kind of AFC playoff unfolding in that way. And it makes me want to throw up a little bit, but I'm not sure that's how it's going to go. I, I I I don't know if I see the Chargers losing to the Ravens. Do you, do you see the Ravens beating the Chargers there? I I don't. I know that the the Ravens did beat the Chargers Week 16. They beat them pretty handily, 22 to 10. But I don't see that happening twice. Uh, it, this game took place in Los Angeles, but I I don't think that this game would be the same in Baltimore. For whatever reason. I mean, I love this Chargers team. I think, as you've mentioned, they are very, very, very underrated. They also have a chance that Hunter Henry, their tight end, could return after missing most of the season. He would add another element to them. They rely a lot on their wide receivers. 
Uh, and then they have their running game. They're just a very solid and well-rounded offense. But it's mostly their defensive front. That really scares me when I'm talking about the Chargers. Uh, when you look at the fact that they got Melvin Ingram out there. They get Joey Bosa. They have, or sorry, uh, they, they just have such a good and talented defensive front. I don't know what to do. I don't I don't want to face them um, if I'm the Patriots. And I'd, I'd much rather risk it against the, the Baltimore Ravens. All right, Rich. So what is your ideal wild card weekend scenario? As of right now, as of this podcast, the Colts are beating the Tennessee Titans 24 to 17, about to kick a field goal to go up 27 to 17. They'll probably make the playoffs. So it's going to be probably the Colts visiting the Houston Texans and then the Chargers visiting the Ravens. What is your ideal Patriots friendly playoff scenario for wild card weekend? Yeah, I mean, my ideal would probably be for the, the Chargers to beat the Ravens because I don't want the Ravens in the postseason, and because I expect the Chargers to use their divisional round superpowers and upset the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round. I think that is the team that is most likely to upset Kansas City in Kansas City. You take a veteran in Phil Rivers, you take a very dynamic offense. I expect that it would be a high-scoring affair, but the Patri- or sorry, the Chargers would be able to take advantage of a horribly weak, weak, terrible, no good, very bad Chiefs defense and just produce that way. As for the other game, uh, Houston versus the Colts, most likely. I expect the, the, the Houston Texans to win that one. I mean, you'll look at how they've fared previously. Houston lost to the Colts week 14. I don't know if I would expect that to happen again. Uh, I mean, Deshaun Watson is a phenom and the, at quarterback. He's just so talented, a lot of fun to watch. DeAndre Hopkins, for my money, is a top three wide receiver in the entire league. They don't have too many other options around them, but I, I would expect the Texans to win in a surprisingly low-scoring affair, um, and I, I would kind of prefer that. I would kind of prefer the Patriots to host the Texans in the divisional round more so than any of the other teams, you know, whether it be the Ravens, Chargers, or Texans. I'm leaning the Texans as the easiest out because, you know, Patriots have a good track record against the Texans. They don't have that against the Ravens. And I just think that the Chargers are a better team than the Texans. So I I, I would want the Houston Texans to win and then the Chargers to win for my ideal weekend. So you see a Chargers at Patriots AFC championship game. Yep, that would be the ideal path. Don't know if it will happen, but that would be the the best possible opportunity for New England. Other than some bizarro Colts make it, they I mean they face the Chiefs, they win, and then the Patriots get to take care of Andrew Luck. Although that one would be uh, the Josh McDaniels Bowl. All karma would be in favor of Indianapolis winning in a blowout. So I don't want that to happen. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to stick with the Patriots hosting the Chargers as the best possible outcome. I'm with you. The good news is the Chargers and Ravens play each other. So one of those two teams will be out come divisional weekend, which is fantastic. Let's finish up, jump to the NFC real quick, Rich, as we close out this podcast for the playoff start. The Saints are the number one seed. Well-deserved. They're probably the best team in the NFL right now by leaps and bounds with the Rams in there at number two, only losing because of the tiebreaker. Eagles snuck in today as the sixth seed to defend their world title. They're playing the Bears in Chicago. The Seahawks are the wildcard team against the Cowboys. How do you see the NFC wildcard playing out? 
Yeah, I mean, I think Seattle is playing very well right now. I'm not overly impressed with the Cowboys, so I would expect Seattle to win on the road. I always go with the better quarterback in those close matchups. And, I mean, Seahawks have both the better quarterback and the better head coach. So I'm going with Seattle winning on the road there. I expect Chicago to knock out Philadelphia in the the wild card round. It's kind of a fun matchup. You got Doug Peterson of the the of the Eagles and Matt Nagy of the Bears, both of them former Andy Reid acolytes, both offensive minds. So they will know intimately what is going on with one another. And I give a major edge to the Chicago Bears and their amazing defense over the the Philadelphia Eagles, whether it's Carson Wentz or Nick Foles, whoever it is. Uh, I, I expect the Bears to win barely, but then to, to get knocked out in the next round. So that would mean a Bears-Rams divisional round and a Seahawks-Saints divisional round. Yep. Man, that would be – I think the last time – maybe I'm wrong. The last time the Saints and the Seahawks played in the playoffs was the Marshawn Lynch beast mode run, I believe, Ooh. if I'm correct. Yeah, and I mean, so, honestly, I would not be surprised if the Seahawks went into New Orleans and won. You know, and I, I think that the Saints are the best team in the league, but – they rested everyone this week. They have their bye week. I wonder if they have a little bit of whatever happened to the Indianapolis Colts when they rested their starters down the stretch. So they'll be a little rusty coming into it. You'll have a team that is hungry, like the Seahawks, that is afraid of no one. I mean, that, that could be a really fun game, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Seahawks win and won there. No, honestly, man, I don't think I would be shocked if absolutely anything happened in this NFL playoffs. Nothing really made a whole lot of sense this year. Everyone looks <laughs> beatable. The Patriots lost to five teams, none of whom made the playoffs. The top six quarterbacks in the NFL in terms of the money they're making, the highest paid quarterbacks, none of them made the playoffs. It's just I think I can I can envision any single scenario, any of these six teams who are in the playoffs, if any one of them won it, I'd be like, yeah, that's probably the way it works. And that's exactly what the NFL wants. So good for you, NFL, you win again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we're talking about where the Patriots stand, how historically they've always been one of the top favorite teams in the entire league. I mean, think of any possible matchup for the Patriots this postseason. There's they're the favorites in all, but probably three of them. Right? I mean, the Patriots on the road against the Chiefs. Yeah, I would choose the Chiefs there in a heartbeat. Neutral ground against the Rams. Neutral ground against the Saints. Those are the three scenarios where I see the Patriots as the underdogs. And so, when you look at the entire landscape of the postseason, you say, all right, Patriots, you're a Miami miracle away from being the number one seed. Being 12-4, and everything would be hunky-dory. This Patriots team still should be considered one of the Super Bowl favorites. I know it feels different than other years. I know that this offense isn't as potent. I know that the run defense can be surprisingly bad. They just don't have as strong of an identity on any side of the football, other than maybe in their secondary. But even with all of that, even with this being the worst Patriots team, arguably of the past decade, even with that, this is still one of the best teams in the entire league, and the Patriots should be ready to make some noise. I, I would not be surprised if they were representing the AFC at the end of the day. 
I would love that, Rich. The only thing I don't want to happen, I am at peace with every single scenario from divisional round knockout to Super Bowl loss and everything in between. I just don't want to see Patriots versus Rams and the Rams avenge one because then next year it's going to be Patriots versus Panthers and the Panthers are going to win one. And and then it's going to be Patriots versus Seahawks and the Seahawks are going to win one. I feel like all these teams are avenging the Super Bowl losses of the Patriots and I don't like it one bit. So as long as it's not Patriots versus Rams with the Rams winning, I am totally fine with how things shake out. Well, maybe maybe uh, they get to play the Giants. Maybe Eli Manning will have oh, no. it. <laughs> year. Third time's a charm, right? Third time. Yeah, right. Third time's the charm. I mean, yeah. I mean, we'll have a lot to look forward to. I'm really excited about this postseason. Really, really, really happy that the Patriots have a bye week because, as we mentioned, every single game is up in the air. I could see these wild card games going any which direction and not being surprised. So I'm happy that the Patriots beat the New York Jets. And that counted as a as a playoff victory for them because they don't have to play next week. Um, and I, I'm just super happy that the Patriots are back where they belong with their bye week for the ninth straight year, man. This this has been a ridiculous run. Yeah, it has. Yeah, it has. And it's been fun breaking it down, man. It's another good season in the books. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll talk to you after, you know, we'll take this Thursday off. I'll talk to you after next week uh, when all the wild card games are in the books. We break down the Patriots opponent. We'll have everything else that you could possibly need on patspulpit.com. Alec, any final thoughts? Happy New Year to you, to yours, and to Patriots Nation. Buckle up. The playoffs are here. Oh, absolutely. And until next time, Alec, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Later, man. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.